Welcome to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. Whether you're listening live on the Community Radio Network or via podcast, here's the show where you learn from experts, be inspired by journeys, and discover more about making your small business a success. I'm Alexi Boyd, broadcaster, advocate, and small business owner. Let's meet today's guest. So with more and more small businesses becoming fluent with social media landscape and all of its platforms, we find ourselves in a changing world where we used to dominate with thousands of views and now have become almost invisible. As a small business, you can drive competition to be driving you to be either unique, genuine and clarify what you do for your clients, but it can also make you fearful of change. A dip in your engagement numbers can signal a change in the landscape. Perhaps a competitor is muscling into your territory and grabbing your likes or followers. So what can you do about it? Stella Giannotto is an expert in brand recognition, helping retail businesses increase market share by creatively using data to futurise their customer experience. And she's joining us today to explain the difference between differentiating or distinguishing and how you can avoid being a copy of a copy. Welcome to the program, Stella. Thanks for having me, Alexi. Very exciting. <laughs> it's great to have you in the studio. I do having love having live guests, of course, because it's, it's great to chat to people, but also get to know them a little bit better. And that's what I think my Small Biz Matters listeners really enjoy because it's all about the people in small business. I think you'll agree, you know, your branding, who you are, where you stand, what you stand for um, is so important. And that's kind of what we're going to be covering today, which I'm really looking forward to this topic because I myself can learn and I know everyone around us can learn as well. So let's begin by just thinking a little bit about, I guess... For want of a better purpose, let's talk about the definition of a brand. Why is it that, it, that small businesses should kind of be aware of that? Well, the definition of a brand essentially is it's what the consumer or your customer buys from you. So it's the emotional and the psychological relationship that your consumer has with your brand or your business. And the reason that it's become so much more important these days is because we're so saturated. There are so many competitors. There are so many competing brands. And really the brand is what is going to set you apart and from your competitors and help you, your end user, your client, to understand what it is that you do differently from everybody else. But it's hard, isn't it, at the beginning when you're starting out to really understand what your proposition is that's different. I mean, if you're a, a sort of someone in retail and you've got a shop, you think to yourself, well, at the moment I'm just kind of like all the other shops. Do you have to start out understanding fully what your brand in, is or is it something that can develop over time? Well, I'll probably be crucified for this answer, but in honesty, no, you don't need to know all the facts. In fact, I kind of loathe these 20 and 30 and 40 page branding documents that say you must do this and you must do that. Essentially, you need to answer one question. It's the question I ask all of my clients, and that is, if you think about your consumer, what is it that you want them to know your brand for? Or how is it you want them to identify your brand with or is doing? And it can be a simple one-sentence response. And that's all you need to start with. Because once you have that, in absence of a USP or a mission statement, there's many different labels for all of these things. If you know what it is that your consumer wants or is looking for, then it makes communicating your brand, whether that's visually or tonally or through um, audio or video, that much easier. Indeed. And I like the idea that it's not just all about discovering the entirety of your business, which can take up to decades to figure out but it sounds to me like you're describing it as a 
like a building block process. Absolutely. And you've also got to understand too, and I mean, the last 12 months is a perfect example. <laughs> yes. Industry evolves. In, uh, the environment involves. In fact, the business landscape is nothing like it was 12 months ago. So your brand needs to have some flexibility for it to grow. I liken it to you've given birth to a child and when you start out, it's in its infancy and then it goes through toddlerhood and then obviously it goes into adolescence before it becomes a fully-fledged adult. And if you think about the brands that have stood the test of time, they're 20, 30, 40, mm-hmm. 50, 100 years old. Yeah, so be kind to yourself. You're not necessarily going to get through the tamper tantrums of no. the, the two-year-old, no. two-year-old tamper tantrums. tantrums <laughs> tamper tantrums. I think I've just made something up. Uh, right at the beginning of your business, and you need to be kind to yourself and gentle. But then, of course, you need to be ready. Uh, you know, there is something we could go into a whole show about the resilience piece with your branding over the last twelve months. I mean, everyone's learned so much from that. Um, Just briefly, what do you think from a branding perspective is something that every business could take away from the last 12 months? If there's anything that businesses can take away from the last 12 months, it's all the brands that stood up and showed their human side. That stood up and said, you know, we're putting our hands up. We don't understand what's going on. We're not quite sure what the future brings, but this is what we're going to do for you right now. We're going to change our product or our service to suit your lifestyle as it is in the current times. Mm-hmm. And so those brands that did that, they have prevailed. They didn't sink, they didn't go broke. And if anything, they've continued to evolve their product. In fact, some people gave quite a lot away um, because they knew that there were many people struggling financially. So if there's anything over the last 12 months, what it has said to us as consumers is, we don't want the rubbish, we don't want the hype, we don't want the show reel on the Instagram anymore. We want real, we want authentic, and we want the truth, we mm-hmm. want honesty. And we want kindness as well. Yes, absolutely. And and I think um, another thing that it's taught us as, because we're always consumers as well as businesses ourselves, and what it's taught us is that we can smell the bullshit. Yes. We, we, can, we can tell when corporate or even to some extent small businesses are faking it or trying to be kind to people when they're not genuinely doing it or they're not following through or they're just... You can, you can tell the perception is, is going to be off. That's where authenticity comes into play. And in fact, authenticity is one of the key ways that you can differentiate your brand. I mean, we only need to look at all of those lifestyle influencers, particularly the ones that have risen to fame through reality television, through that voyeuristic medium, and they're all out of work. Where are they? They don't stand for anything and they don't represent anything of value that we see of value today. That's why they're out of work. Mm. And we should say as well, I mean, obviously... Part of your branding, um, and I think that's what you're getting at, is that is that um, where you, what you stand for and your values, and and really sticking by it, and not only behaving like that as a human, but behaving like that as a business. But what's important is that we don't give too much away, um, and that we do push back and not say, "Well, thanks very much for the opportunity to stand up on stage and do a speech." Um, and not get anything in return or not have any commercial value in return. I think it's it's very easy for small businesses in this sort of environment to be taken advantage of. Absolutely. Mm. It is. And we've sort of... So the age of the guru and the age of the... Um, superstar Instagram million, two million plus followers, I think is actually starting to come off. And the reason for that is because of the fact that, you know, we don't want to pay for something and not see any value in it. Um, And the other reason for that too is that we want something that's more long-term, 
a lot more sustainable. And I don't just mean environmentally, I mean financially too. See, if you think about it, the reason that most businesses would create a brand or rebrand is because of an underlying economic situation. Basically, they've lost market share or they've lost business or they're just not getting the sales through. So they start to look at themselves and the first place they start with is their image. Mm. So, because that's all they've ever looked at. That's Because that's all they've ever looked at. And now they're looking at their image and saying, okay, well, I like how I look, but what is it that I really stand for? What is it of value that I'm creating? What is it that I'm giving away to the world? I mean, one of the reasons why I exist is because when we build a brand, we build it for three reasons. For a profit, for a purpose, or to leave a legacy behind. And if you think about it fundamentally, small business is in business for one of those three reasons. And sometimes it can be all three or a combination of two. But essentially, that's why we're in business. Mm. So when we look at, you know, these gurus and, um, you know, these leaders that don't really have anything of substance to give away, that are not actually adding what we call intrinsic value to our lives, they're not enriching our lives, we're just not interested. It's so true. And I I like the way that you speak of value in, in multiple ways, because it is okay, everyone, to take a breath and say, I'm doing this to make money. It's absolutely okay, to, okay. Say, to say, I'm in business. I mean, let's look at McDonald's. You know, it is the greatest business in the world. It's okay to buy something for a dollar and to sell it for two and be open about it. And we can number, we can name a number of different brands that we know are all about uh, bringing value and, and disrupting markets to bring, you know, something of value. I mean, look at Virgin Airlines with their cheap airfares. You know, that's a classic example of we're in business to make money and in doing so, for you as the consumer, we're going to save you some money. Mm. Just like it's okay to say we're in business because we've got a mission that we want to take globally. Mm. We've got a global movement. And it's also okay to have the mafia-style Don Corleone business and I'm going to make you off for you can't refuse. You know, you want to build something to leave a legacy behind for your family. That's what family business is in, in business for. They're all okay. Yeah. And whatever it is that your reason is, don't, uh, don't feel like you have to pivot in terms of your values, which is so important as well. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what we're going to be discussing a little bit later in the program. So the dif- definition of differentiation. Now, I'm going I'm to admit when we, we talked about this, I thought, well, this will be an interesting discussion because what is, it, what is it when you're thinking about branding to differentiate versus distinguish? And how do you make sure that you're not just copying what other people are doing? Well, there's a lot of copycatting. And let me say this from the outset. How many people have you seen copy Gary Vaynerchuk and desensitise the F word and tried to be like Gary V? There's only one Gary V. (laughs) So that's a classic example of copycatting. Now, when it comes to differentiation, there are many different ways. We always stick with 14, and there's lots of different ways to do it. But the, the, the basic rule of differentiating your brand is to do something different or to be known differently from your competition. That's essentially what differentiation is. And there's lots of ways you can do that. You can do that by becoming an expert. You can do that by carving out a niche in the market. You can even do that by releasing a product and then expanding in that market. You can uh, create emotional connections. You can be innovative. You can even create new markets. I mean, look at Elon Musk and SpaceX, right? He's wanting to make space travel affordable for most people, bringing us a launch down from over a billion dollars to a cool 15 to 
you know, 20,000 per person. Let me get my coin purse out. You know, sure, sure, beats the (laughs) hell out of going down the coast for a holiday. (laughs) So essentially that's what differentiation is. Now, when we start talking about distinction with brands, what we're essentially saying is that not only has that brand differentiated themselves from that competitor, we know them so much more uh, widely than uh, the competitor. I'll give you an example. So we know that brands like Coca-Cola and Nike and Apple can do no wrong. So they are classic examples of distinction. They are so well known for everything that they do that essentially they've hit a status where they can't really do any wrong. Mm. But essentially all they've really done is they've just differentiated themselves better than their competitors. We're not necessarily saying that Nike's running shoes are the best on the market or that Apple's technology is the most superior technology on the market, nor are we saying that brands like McDonald's is the best kind of food that you can get. They're just known in their marketplace for that because they've created so much differentiation that now they've hit that level of distinction. And it sounds to me like it's almost it's like we were talking before about building blocks. The differentiation is important to differentiate from your customers, but then the next level up is that distinction, which Correct. I guess, as you were saying, is built on the on the different are the different differentiations that you do along the way. It is. It is a building block. And essentially, you can't create a distinctive brand overnight. There's just no such thing. Um, And some might say that essentially a brand needs to go through economic downturns and upturns and global upheaval and still stand the test of time before they can even achieve a distinction. Um, But it's not something that happens overnight. It happens over many years, if not decades. So bringing that back down to the small business level... We can obviously see how we can differentiate from our competitors um, and stand out from the crowd. But that level of distinction, what is it in terms of small business that you can think of examples where brands have distinguished themselves through other means or different ways that they've differentiated themselves? How do you get to that level of distinction? Well, you get to that level of distinction by doing three things. One, staying true to your own core values. What is it that you stand for? And making sure that everything that you do is underpinned by that. And when I say that, I often say, well, look, how do you show in your actions, your daily actions and your marketing, your commitment to your own brand in terms of your values? The other thing too is to listen to the marketplace and don't just listen and pay lip service to it. Actually re-engineer your product or re-deliver it or recreate it in some other way that it gets your product or your service into the hands of the consumer faster and quicker. And the other thing too is to really be conscious of what's going on in your environment and not being tone deaf. I mean, how many brands during, you know, last year when coronavirus was at its peak that they just literally buried the head in the sand? We don't want that. We want to see you active. So for a small business, essentially any one of those things that I've mentioned that they can do, even the local coffee shop where I used to get my coffee every single morning, you know, when the lockdown restrictions were in place and, you know, we weren't allowed to sit in and dine, she immediately put up signs outside of her shop. She immediately did social media posts and texted every single person that she had and said, I now do driveway service. In fact, it's contactless and I'll bring your order out if you text it to me and you can pay by card and you don't even need to come into the shop. 
brilliant. And then she thought, well, right, a lot more people are at home and they're a lot, they're restricted from being able to go out and do their groceries and what have you. And whilst, yes, we're able to go and do that, I mean, how long can you stay in a grocery store for, right? Um, She started doing takeaway meals, pre-prepared meals that all you had to do is heat and serve. She offered them in single, double and family size and did exactly the same thing. She's now recreated her business from a cafe to take-home meals. Mm. But now she's gone one step further. She started to cater for all of the intolerances, all of the food intolerances that most um, uh, establishments won't cater for. And this is beyond the vegetarian and beyond the vegan and, and what have you. So that's one way that a small business can do that. And essentially the product hasn't changed. It's just the delivery mechanism um, has and it's based on the foundation of the fact that we know our customers better than corporate does. 100%. Because we've got those touch points. We listen to them. They respond and engage with us on social media or engage with us as humans where they're talking to us. And we listen and we take that under consideration. And those of us who don't die, I mean, let's face it, Pretty if you don't much. listen to your customers, you don't respond to their needs, you're not going to have customers for very long. Absolutely. And essentially, we've gone uh, full circle with this. So uh, I was literally having this conversation recently where retail business in Australia has quite a lot of opportunity these days because if we think about 20, 30, 40 years ago when our parents were in business or when we went you know, shopping with our parents, the owner of the retail store was on the floor. They spoke to the customers. They did all the hand-holding. You know, they picked up the plastic bags or the paper bags that were dropped on the... You know, you know, you know, you know, they kept, 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 kept the premise clean and tidy. And you can bet that the next time you entered that their establishment, they knew exactly what you wanted. They directed you into the right way. They may have even had what you were after ready to go for you. Mm. They curated their floor, their merchandise, especially for you. And you can be doing that in other ways. You don't necessarily have to only be think of if you've got this face-to-face connection. You can be manipulating, if you think of that, changing that into the online world, you can manipulate your website or your online presence depending on what people are asking you for. Absolutely. But it's harder, isn't it? It's harder to, to, it's easier to see someone go, okay, I need that product or I need that type of food. It's harder to translate that into services or consulting, for example. It is harder, but essentially what services and consulting need to do is to productize their service. So can the service be packaged up into um, smaller services that you can sell online? Mm. Or can it be uh, shifted into community groups and mastermind groups where you actually bring people in, you know, on a regular routine, a regular basis um, to be able to deliver your service and you amortise the cost amongst all the people Mm. um, that attend. So there's lots of different ways that you can do that. It's just that service-based businesses essentially need to think of their service as a product. Yeah, very as true. something they need to deliver out. Yeah, it's just a different way of thinking of it. We're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters and when we return after the community service announcements, we're going to be speaking to Stella Giannotto a little bit more about brands and talking about uh, ways to differentiate yourself in a really practical sense. You're listening to Small Biz Matters. We'll be back after this. This episode of Small Biz Matters is proudly sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office. Led by Kate Carnell since its establishment only four years ago, Aspifio has provided education, advocacy and support, including free assistance if a small business is involved in a dispute. The office also provides assistance for disputes that fall under the franchising, dairy, horticultural and oil industry codes. 
Kate Carnell, as an independent advocate for small business owners, has the legislative power to influence our nation's lawmakers, ensuring legislation and regulations are put in place to help small businesses grow and in these times, survive. Small businesses are the engine room of the economy and it's Aspifio's role to do all they can to ensure they have the freedom to innovate, employ and thrive well into the future. So today's program, we've got Stella Giannotto, who's from Brand for Brands, an agency who specialises in looking after small, medium and large businesses to grow uh, their brand in an authentic and genuine way, I'd like to say. And what I've really appreciated in our conversation before the break has been all about what's happening with um, the last 12 months, how people can make sure that they're differentiating themselves um, from their market in, in ways that's a bit more, I guess, uh, true to your core values rather than being cheaper or rather than being a blanket approach or even worse, an influencer approach. But I wanted to ask Stella as well about um, some practical ways across either the social media landscape, um, in ways in which you can differentiate and then that, that golden moment of distinguishing yourself as well. What are some top tips you can give, Stella? Well, essentially, small business today is quite lucky because we've got lots of different mediums that are available at our fingertips. I mean, we've got social media, we've got email marketing, which is relatively cost effective to do. Um, we've also got the ability to build a website and everyone has a media outlet with their phone. Get the ability to be able to take video. <laughs> I am now broadcast media. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? I hadn't thought about that. Absolutely. So essentially, we're our own um, walking media company. It's just that we've got to take, be prepared prepared to A, use it and B, have the courage to be out there. Mm. So essentially, I think part of the reluctance of small business is sometimes the absence of time and money. That's always a consideration. But fundamentally, it's also to a confidence thing, um, particularly some of the older generation business owners as well. It's not the way that they marketed the business. So um, uh, one of the quick tips is to be regular with your social media. And, and it doesn't have to be all, uh, you know, uh, fantastically choreographed, high professional images. It can be video footage of how you created the garment. It could be video footage of you in the kitchen making one of your favourite dishes. It could be a testimonial from somebody. It could be a quote from somebody that you find inspiring. It can be a, a snippet of perhaps a podcast or a radio show that you've recently been the guest on. Um, it can even be shared posts from your clients that have um, either checked into your establishment or have purchased something from you and given you a, a great review. So there's some of the ways that you can easily use social media. And for those that are time poor, you don't have to create new content for every different medium. You can simply regurgitate it. And when I say that, you know, if you're posting on LinkedIn on Monday, you can post on Instagram on Tuesday. Tuesday and Facebook on Thursday and you can be on Clubhouse to do a, a Friday audio and essentially it's all the same content. But you are talking about a daily thing and that's quite overwhelming for small business that is so time poor. So how do you get around that in a practical way? So yes, it can be overwhelming, but this is where you need to be organised and pre-block your time. So one of the most efficient ways to actually do social media is the technique that we teach our clients, and that's to block out time. Once a month, twice a month, whatever regularity you find, and you block out two or three hours, you literally don't have any distractions, no phones, and you look at everything that you've got. You go through all of your photographs and you collate them. You have a look at any video or audio footage. You take a look at all the images that you've got 
got testimonials, uh, examples of packaging, everything. And then you figure out what could I say about this video, what could I say about that audio, and you literally uh, create a list like that. So let's say, for example, you want to post two to three times a week. So in a month, that's approximately 20 to 25 entries. And you can easily do that in a couple of hours sitting. Yeah, and it's, I, mean, I think most of us are pretty au fait with the idea of creating a spreadsheet where you can list all of the photos that you've got. Absolutely. It doesn't matter how old they are. Guess what, people? They can't tell the date on a photo. No, not <laughs> unless you list it. Yeah. And you say, and it's okay if it's old. It's okay to say, well, look, it's a flashback or I was cleaning up and this is what I stumbled across or this was so popular five years ago, I wish they would bring it back. It's okay. There are no rules when it comes to social media, despite what people may tell you mm. and from what I'm gleaning from what you're saying it's that it's all about you just being yourself just being yourself um, being able to actively promote what it is that you do in a non-sales manner yes and giving people a glimpse into your brand's life but you know what I can and, and I know you're going to say if you haven't got time you can always outsource this and you can you get can. people to help you but I can tell when people have outsourced I can see when, say, an accountant has got someone who has barely met them doing their social media. It's like, well, what's? it's just stock image after stock image mm. after stock image with, you know, information that's pulled out of what kind of the industry is talking about rather than what they're talking about. And I've said to them so many times, you're better off just going, oh, I had this client today, they made this mistake, this mistake and this mistake. Here's how I help them solve it. It just requires a bit of thought. And, and I think that time blocking out is so important because unless you allow yourself the time mm. to think through this, you're not really going to connect with your true self. It's just going to be you skimming no. the surface anyway. No, you're not. And you're right. It is pretty obvious when you see those um, types of brands on social that haven't actually uh, put the posts together themselves. You, mm. you can tell. It basically smacks of inauthenticity. Um, now, it's okay to outsource it, but if you're going to outsource it to somebody, at least give them an example of what it is that you expect. I like this kind of video. These are the types of images I like to use. These are kind of the words that I say. In fact, here's a podcast or here's an audio or here's a video I took of myself speaking. So you even understand the tone of language that mm. you can do. I mean, it depends on the stage and the life cycle of business that you're at too. So I do have help creating my social media. However, I vet everything. And I often review posts and say, well, I wouldn't use that word, so let's change that. So even though people are putting together the content, it's still come from me. Mm. So it's still authentically me. And so I think that's the key, missing key for those that want to outsource it. Make sure that whoever you're getting to outsource it has something to work from. Yeah, give them a chance. <laughs> like yes. actually brief them. I mean, you wouldn't employ someone and just go, there's the computer, away you go. No, absolutely. Brief them as though your brand was a living, breathing person. Which it is for so How many they walk how do they talk what do they wear in terms of marketing mm. so they're the kind of questions that you want to answer yeah I love that what, what, what do they wear in terms of marketing that's mm. great because it is it's it's our it's our clothing it's the way we perceive ourselves and yes. on the one hand you need it to be like a human you need to have it real but on the other hand you're not going to walk around naked and expose everything no very true but the other reason I say that too is not every form of marketing will suit every small business or even their brand and that's okay you don't have to have a full digital media strategy and you don't have to have you know email marketing campaigns and digital ads and and 
you don't have to have a full spectrum. You just need to select two or three marketing activities that you enjoy doing mm. and do them consistently well. And I know a lot of marketers will say, find where your audience is. And maybe that's what I was alluding to at the beginning of the show, where it is difficult to have an entire marketing strategy right from the moment you step foot into your business. It needs to be growing over time and you need to get that feedback from your audience. There's absolutely no point in Small Biz Matters, an audio program being on Instagram. Like, no, it's a pictorial and this is an auditory um, medium. So it makes no sense. But if I was thinking about it, and I had the time, then maybe I should be looking at something like Clubhouse, which for those of you who don't know, is an audio only platform. And they've got this funky thing going where you can jump into rooms and have discussions with experts and it's all audio. Sometimes it's a bit clunky and mismanaged and they really need moderators in there, but that's (laughs) a different discussion. But um, maybe that could be phase two of the app. Pay phase two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You need permission and you need to be able to know what you're doing before you should put yourself out there. But that, that's another thing, isn't it? It's You have to tread carefully, I guess. On the one hand, you want to be authentic and you want to get yourself out there. But on the other hand, you need to tread carefully in the beginning to understand what works and what doesn't because you can come across as politically incorrect or morally incorrect if you're not tone deaf i mean let's not who can remember kendall jenner that was in the pepsi ad and she was you know part of the the black rights movement and it was considered tone deaf and they had to pull the ad within you know hours of its launch because it had such a backlash Mm. so you don't want examples like that but essentially to you know if you don't know where to start and you don't know what to do ask your target audience what do they do Where do they go on the weekends? What do they do when they're not working? How do they shop? Mm. You know, what are some of their interests? And from that, you can garner where they'll be, i.e. they troll social media on a Saturday morning or Sunday afternoon they um, download audio books or they troll YouTube to learn something. Uh, Or midweek they actually like to go out socially and, you know, they're subject to whatever media is, is available to them socially. That starts to give you an idea of where you can market and what forms or what mediums because you've got some insight into where your target audience is going to be and what they're doing. The other thing to remember too is it's okay to fail forward. It's okay to make mistakes when you're doing marketing. In fact, that's the way that we learn. You know, if something doesn't work the first time, don't just give up. Sometimes it just requires some repositioning. Sometimes it was timing. Other times it can simply be the delivery mechanism. I've made colossal mistakes, many, but I also own them. I mean, how many times have you seen an email newsletter that goes out and then it's got a wrong fact or or spelling mistakes in it? Mm. That's okay. Just own it. And do you think with the the evolution, (laughs) the small business evolution that was 2020, do you think people are becoming a little bit more um, uh, kind when it comes to looking at errors? Because I think that's what Zoom's taught us is that Sometimes the audio doesn't work, sometimes you're on mute, sometimes, you know, your background looks a bit weird uh, and sometimes you've just got internet issues Uh, and we've all become a little bit more, um, I guess, patient in that regard. Is that, has that followed through to people's social media presence as well and being a little bit kinder? Yes, essentially, if you think about it, the entire world has had what I call a humanity reset. So we were uh, locked away. We had time to think about ourselves. We had time to think about our lives, what's important, what's important to us. And we spent a lot more time doing things with our family 
whether willing or not, um, that really started to open our eyes. Mm. So we became less forgiving, uh, or more forgiving rather, and we became less about uh, this hyper-reality, extreme perfection kind of persona online. In fact, it's quite foreign to us now. I've been pointing case, how many people show up to a Zoom meeting now still in their pyjamas on the bottom yeah. half with fluffy slippers? <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay to sit and eat in, in a Zoom meeting now in front of people and it's okay just to wear a T-shirt and, and look a little dishevelled because people don't care. Mm. I would disagree with that because I still think that, you know, you, we still need to maintain our own presence and for our own self-care, I think it's important that we present ourselves well. Yeah. But that's my personal opinion. So essentially humanity has, the edge has just been taken off. We're kinder. Mm. We're a little bit more patient. We are a little bit more forgiving now because of the experience that we've all had and no one was singled out because the entire world went through it simultaneously. Mm, very so true. yes, yes, there's a lot of you'll you will have seen a lot of people jump off social social media for a time being and using other marketing mediums. That's just because they're now concerned. Well, if the social media platform or channel falls over, um, what? what kind of dialogue will we have with our target audience now? Yeah, I have noticed that particularly with branding and advertising. It's, um, you know, we're seeing more flyers out there. We're seeing Correct. more people with, with something tangible to hand to their customers or signage. I mean, signage companies and, and places like uh, Quick Copy or Snap Printing, I mean, they've exploded with their business because people 100%. are saying, yeah, maybe I can't necessarily rely on this singular way to position no. myself. And they're back to differentiating as well. Correct. And that then comes back to the marketing mix. So the marketing mix simply is what mix of marketing activities can you do to promote your small business and to promote your brand that is a combination of a couple of things. One, it's online, so it can be social media or it can be email marketing or it can be a YouTube channel. Two, something that's offline, meaning it's tangible and you've got to physically put something into the hands of, of um, people. And three, something that's a little bit more social or um, that's in person and uh, you enjoy doing that. So whether that's hosting events, whether that's doing small tours, whether that's just getting together to break bread, it doesn't really matter. The point is that you want to mix because if one medium falls over, you haven't lost your entire marketing channel. Mm. You've got others that brings in leads or generates business in other ways, in other forms. So that's why it's really important. So let's talk about this area of expertise. You've been in, in branding for a number of years and I, I'd like to ask um, what do you think the future of branding looks like in the next two to five years? That's an interesting question. So essentially brands will go through what I call a rebranding or a redefinition process. Um, and what we'll start to see is a lot more authenticity and a lot more focus on the emotional experience with the consumer. How did the consumer feel once they purchased from us? What is it the consumer wants before they know they want it? How is it that I can insert my brand into their everyday life without it being an imposition? So we're going to see a large shift back towards traditional branding and uh, a shift away from uh, everything being so perfect and so choreographed and looking so fantastic all the time. In fact, real is going to be the new form of branding. Real, raw, authentic, 
Um, and like it was our next door neighbour that we've just popped over the fence and said hello to mm. and, you know, good old Jim's telling him about his new invention that he's tinkered together in his garage. That's what we're going to see happen with brands because those brands that don't adapt or evolve in that way, um, they won't survive Mm. And that makes perfect sense from what we've been through in the last 12 months with moving away from influencers and moving away from disingenuous people who are aligning themselves with something that they've never had anything to do with in the past yep. and seeing through and cutting through the the people who are just standing for nothing. Mm. Um, and, and that makes sense that it evolves into the into the world of good, I want to say. Um, I'd be interested to see how the, uh, the bigger brands cope with those sort of changes. That's going to be an interesting um, journey to watch but yes I can uh, that makes that makes a lot of sense with regards to um, just being your true self mm. and and tapping into more ways and then, and so when you're looking at your at your social media and I love the idea of blocking out a huge chunk of time mm. and going right I'm going to spend three hours on my social media and I'm going to get <clears throat> two weeks done now that's a great idea it really it really makes it more um, you know you've got time to do that then uh, so I think that moving forward, it's about finding ways that you can manipulate the stuff you do have and create stuff that's all about you. Am I right in that? Yes. So the whole point about blocking out the time, and you, it's not just um, uh, specific to social media. You can do it for email marketing. You can do it for your ads, your newsletters, your blogs, any kind of cornerstone or keystone piece of branded marketing material that you want to do, you can do within that time. Um and essentially, uh, you know, if, if, if you are doing that and you, you, you're taking yourself away from your environment, you're removing yourself from distractions, you're going to get to the core essence of what it is that you want to say. You're going to get to the core essence of the conversation that you want to have with your clients. Mm. And so that's what's really going to start permeating and coming through. So that's how we can be more real and more in touch with what's what's going on, actually hearing our own thoughts or paying attention to what's really going on in the landscape by observing um, and then finding where your brand sits within the realm of that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. It's been great having you on the program, Stella. How can people find out more about what you do? Uh, you could follow me on social media. So Stella Giannotto, it's not a common name, so it is spelt phonetically. Um, you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, or you could check out the website, brand, singular, for brands, plural, dot com, and uh, everything you need to find is there. Thank, thank, thank you so much for joining us today. If you've missed any of today's program, you can, of course, catch up via smallbizmatters.com.au or iTunes or Spotify, wherever you ingest your small business education, where there are now over 197 podcasts for you to listen to, just like this one, to help you grow, learn more about your business and listen to small business journeys. My name has been Alexi Boyd. I look forward to speaking to you all again next week. Hope you have a wonderful, productive week and we will see you next week on Small Biz Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM. This week's episode was proudly broadcast from Triple H Studios in Sydney, Australia and sponsored by the Office of the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. If you've enjoyed listening, go ahead and give us some thank you stars on your podcasting platform. It would be much appreciated. Then head to the Small Biz Matters website where you can listen to over 170 episodes, read more about our speakers and find out how to become a media partner. See you all next time. Music.